welcome to this week's message from a new church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this message. So what we are looking at is truth, and this is going to be the final um, message in a three-part series all about truth. And um, it's been pretty hard-hitting and a little bit different to to, um, how I usually preach, but because of the the, the climate of society and culture today, I think it's been really timely um, to look at some of these things, um, especially as our culture and society's views uh, depart drastically from um, a Christian understanding and a Christian worldview. So uh, sort of like a a provocative quote that we've been sharing right through is this, we have arrived in a post-truth era where alternative facts have replaced actual facts and feelings carry more weight than evidence. A few years back, um, I read quite a disturbing article and I think it was Staff or one of those that said New Zealand was no longer a Christian nation or a post-Christian nation. Now we've sort of gone one step further and people are saying we're not even that anymore. We're a post-truth culture. Uh, So people are throwing truth uh, away and they're preferring to grab a hold of their feelings and emotions um, and and what's in vogue at the moment. And uh, we're in a bad way. So how do we navigate our way through as believers? So just a real quick recap, like in a couple of minutes. um, The first uh, message was all about where do we look for truth, and we looked at education, we looked at government, and we looked at um, all of that. Where do we find truth? And I'm not going to go into it any further than that, other than saying to have or to safely navigate our way through this life, we need a fixed point of reference. Uh, just like um, any sort of navigation in this world, you can't carry that, you can't be that fixed point of reference because a fixed point of reference has to be outside of you and it has to be unchanging. It can't move. And we know that to be the Word of God, the Bible, and obviously the words of Jesus, but we're living in a time now where people think that um, they can be their own fixed point of reference and they can carry truth around with them and it can be their own truth. It never works. We're ending up just getting lost and the blind are leading the blind. Uh, the la- second message we talked about uh, what sort of worldviews we had and how did we actually get here because society in the West has dramatically shifted in the last couple of generations. Um, and we looked at some worldviews. A worldview is, is how we, or the filter that we have that we look um, through to view society and to view our lives. It's like um, a tints. It's like wearing those rose-colored glasses. Everything becomes rose-colored. We have, we all have a worldview, and the worldview of most of this Western world now is very counter or anti the Christian worldview. So we looked at relativism, which now is the understanding that truth is relative. My truth can be completely different to your truth, and it sounds. Um, all warm and cuddly and fuzzy, but it never works in real life. There is truth and then there are our opinions. We gotta remember that. The second worldview is the sexual revolution that happened in the 70s and that taught this world that the highest pursuit of fulfillment is sexual fulfillment. Um, So people throw out their marriage vows and and throw out all sorts of standards uh, and they just think that that's gonna make them happier. Um, If that was the case, Hollywood would be the most happy place in the world. It's not. Spoiler alert. Um, 
Gnosticism, which is sort of the, the understanding that our behavior does not affect our spirit. So um, what we do in the physical is completely separated from, um, from the real us. And we know as Christians, we're spirit, soul, and body. And each of those have a huge effect on each other. We're all entwined. And that's where you sort of get these people that say they love Jesus, but they live like the devil at the same time. And then we had individualism which is the understanding that we've got to throw out all the constraints and all the, uh, the boundaries of our families, of our traditions, of, of, of history, of our upbringing. And to be the true us, we've got to dig deep into ourselves and, and be followed or be led by our desires, our deepest, darkest desires. And that's where we're going to find the real us. That's where we're going to be uh, truly happy. And again, that just does not work because the Bible says our heart is wicked um, and we've got the sin nature that is it's like a bowling ball. It's got a bias towards sin and towards evil. And all of that really to say that the Christian worldview is becoming more and more opposed to the popular worldview. And we are really truly becoming as Christians, uh, people are seeing us as the villains now, as the bad guys. Um, it's really quite discouraging but the cool thing is God knows what he's doing and he had predestined us before the beginning of time to be alive in 2021 he trusts in us um, and he has faith in us which is amazing um, and last thing uh, recapping we looked at Jesus now Pilate asked Jesus what is truth and Jesus said about himself I am the way the truth the life, and he said, you can know, or you will know the truth, you will know Jesus, and the truth will set you free. Jesus will set you free. Jesus is the hope of the world. We can be living in complete freedom and hope, and this world absolutely needs to know that because they're looking for love and they're looking for hope and truth in all the wrong places. So this morning, we're gonna be looking at who is Jesus according to other religions, we're going to be looking at getting to know the real thing and we're going to finish off by how to stay in truth. Who is Jesus according to other religions? One of my um, favorite all-time heroes growing up um, and greatest influences in my life, especially from the tape cassette. So none of this TikTok and, and TikTok uh, and PewDiePie and all that. This guy was Keith Green. Hands up if you know about Keith Green, everyone over 45, I see your hands. He was an amazing prophet, amazing musician for that generation of believers in the 70s and early 80s. Tragically, he died in a plane crash with two of his children, but um, I loved his music and I really do think he influenced my thinking a lot. And his story is absolutely phenomenal because he was someone who was on a quest to find truth. So he got himself, he was an all or nothing type of guy and he was desperate to find truth. So he started finding or started to search for truth in all the different religions. Um, and after a while, he realized one thing that almost every religion um, felt that they needed to explain Jesus, that Jesus was um, a big deal to most religions. So he thought, wait a second, everyone is talking about Jesus, so I'm going to find out and discover who Jesus really was and what Jesus actually said and what Jesus believers actually said. And that is the, the way how he found 
um, Christianity, uh, which is amazing because uh, if you're on a, a quest to find truth, you will find him and his name is Jesus. So we're gonna be looking at um, other religions this morning. That's a change for, for us. And, and what they actually say and teach and believe about Jesus. So Judaism teaches that Jesus was Mary's son, was a rabbi, had many disciples, was respected, performed miracles, claimed to be the Messiah and was crucified on a cross. They also acknowledge his followers reported Jesus was raised from the dead. Muslims believe Jesus was born of a virgin, is to be revered and respected, was a prophet, a wise teacher who worked miracles, ascended to heaven and will come again to defeat the false Messiah. That's interesting, isn't it? They don't believe he's God, but they believe he's a prophet. Baha'i believe that Jesus came from God, was a wise teacher who had a divine and human nature, worked miracles and was crucified and resurrected as an atonement for humanity. Hindus believe Jesus was a holy man, a wise teacher and is a God, little g. Buddhists believe Jesus was an enlightened man and a wise teacher. New Age believers maintain Jesus was a wise moral teacher. It's amazing that most religions, they have an opinion about Jesus. They point to Jesus and they truly say, He is a way. He, he has truth. He is a way or a road or a pathway to find life. So we actually need to look at Jesus. What Jesus says is a little bit different to what the world religions say about Jesus. They point to him and say, he is a way, he is a truth, he is a life. And Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So there's a little bit of a difference there. Which one do we believe? And as in the story of Keith Green, he said, well, everyone's talking about Jesus. Uh, everyone sort of believes. I'm gonna actually find out who Jesus really is and what he really said. I love this quote. Given Jesus is a common feature of the major religions of the world, it might be important for us to learn more about the man whom everyone feels the need to describe. While the world's religions account for Jesus tangently, only one faith system is established on the authentic, attested eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life, teaching and ministry. If one was inclined to begin a spiritual quest for truth, it would be wise to start with the faith system best describing the man all other faith systems find themselves compelled to explain. So we know that Jesus claimed to be truth. We know that he said, you will know the truth. You will know me and I can set you free. We know that Jesus' believers said the same thing. You can read the New Testament. And if we are really on a quest for truth, we just need to start looking at Jesus. Really, truly looking at Jesus, who he was, what other people said about him. I don't know if you saw or on Facebook and saw that um, clip of um, the news article was on TV from um, Australia and this atheist had read this book from a journalist and he's basically saying, I know now that Jesus was real and, and he basically said, how do I get saved? This is on secular Australian television, it's amazing. Um, so we just need to get to know Jesus. 
Because if Jesus is truthful and we absolutely know he was, then we need to know, pay attention to what he's saying. Um, I've, I've never seen a counterfeit dollar bill, um, but I've seen enough crime TV shows to sort of know, um, you know, you always see that, you know, there's counterfeit production, or, you know, uh, projects going all over the place on TV. Um, but this is what it says, and I find this fascinating. With counterfeit, I always thought, um, and there are people that actually study counterfeit money and they, they can learn to differentiate. Um, I really did think that these guys must spend a lot of time looking at counterfeit money to actually understand that when one comes along, they know what one looks like. But it's actually not like that. Listen to this. Federal agents don't learn to spot counterfeit money by studying the counterfeits. They study genuine bills until they master the look of the real thing. Then when they see the bogus money, they recognize it. So if, if you are in the upper echelons of, of distinguishing whether uh, between real money and, and counterfeit money, and I, I guess there's a course, uh, they basically say that you need to spend so much time with the real thing. You know, don't spend hardly any time with the counterfeit, but get to know the real thing. And if you really do know the real thing, when something that isn't the real thing comes along, you'll easily be able to distinguish from it. I think some of us in our, in our passion to, to live in truth, we spend more time in the counterfeit and studying that than actually do we do spending time with Jesus. So we need to get to know the real thing. And when, because I did quite a bit of research on this this week, and there's a phrase that you learn, and this is sort of like the mantra um, it's probably not a good word to use in church either. This is like the slogan that these people use when they are learning um, the difference. And it's this, touch, tilt, look at, look through. So they get these students to spend so much time with real money and they say, touch it because it's got a, a real unique touch. Um, and if you get to know that touch well enough, when a counterfeit mon a money comes into your hand, you'll be able to know that it's not the real thing just based on touch. They say, tilt it, which means study it from different angles. From every angle, just study it and get to know what it looks like from different angles. And then they say, look at it, really, really look at it and learn everything about how it looks. And then they say, look through it because you know, a lot of money that you can see through because they've got watermarks and stuff. Look through it and that's what they basically teach. Spend as much time with the real thing as you can. Uh, learn to touch it, learn to tilt it, learn to look at it and learn to look through it. And if you do that well enough with enough consistency, when a counterfeit or when the thing that's not real um, comes into your hand, you will easily be able to to tell that it's not the real thing. You probably get where I'm going with this. Uh, we're living in a time where people are saying that it's truth and it's not really truth. We're living in a time where how do we navigate our way? How do we stay in truth? How do we know the truth? How will the truth set us free? It's simple, get to know the real thing. Spend time with the real thing. Study the real thing. Look at the real thing. Look through the real thing. Touch it. Get close to Jesus. You know, John, the disciple, there's a, a verse that said he rested upon Jesus' chest. Now, in our culture, we sort of think, well, that's a little bit homoerotic and weird. It wasn't in that culture. Sometimes we look at the Bible through our own culture and we need to look at our culture through the Bible uh, the other way around. Um, they were just very, very close 
And if you rest your head upon someone's chest, you can hear their heartbeat. When you're so close to someone that you, you touch them, you know what hurts their heart. You know what um, makes them joyful and makes them happy. When you really truly touch someone, you know, we can get close to Jesus like that. Jesus has never put any restriction on how close we can get. So we can actually get so close to Jesus that we hear His heartbeat. We feel His heartbeat and His heartbeat becomes our heartbeat. Our heart begins to, begins to break for what breaks the heart of Jesus. So how do we get to, in the truth? How do we know the truth? Touch it, get close to Jesus. Tilt, study Jesus' life and teaching. Study it, really, truly study the words of Jesus, study the heart of Jesus, study the life and times of Jesus, study what Jesus' followers, the people that lived and died for Him, actually said about Him. Look at Jesus, worship Him. You know, this is why I love worship. Every Sunday, we, uh, it shouldn't just be Sunday, but we come and we sing songs to Jesus. We praise and we worship Him and we sing songs declaring the truth of Jesus. Why do we do that? Simply to get our eyes off our own issues. And, and we place Jesus in the highest place. And when you do that, your focus becomes clear and, and everything seems to get back into the right place again. I love this old hymn. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Touch, tilt or study, look at and look through. Look at humanity through the eyes of Jesus. Get to know the real thing. I love Matthew twenty-two sixteen in the CEV version. Uh, this is what people said about Jesus. This is what his reputation was. Teacher, we know that you are honest. You teach the truth about what God wants people to do and you treat everyone with the same respect no matter who they are. Now, I think we're living in a time now where a lot of us as believers, we're sort of a little bit intimidated now. We, we hear a lot of stuff and we don't agree. And, and we sort of like, well, I'm not gonna say anything. I'm not gonna stand up. But the Bible says, always be prepared to, to speak for the hope that you have, to explain what you believe. So I do believe we need to stand up a little bit taller, a little bit straighter, a little bit more bolder and a little bit more confident, but still respect people. We can love people, we can honour them, we can respect them. We don't have to agree with them or their lifestyle. But I think it is time where we stand up with love and with grace and with truth and we just say what we believe and why we believe it and why we have this hope and this joy. Just like Jesus. I'd like to say this though. We must demonstrate love and patience. We cannot address sin until we have first addressed the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because transformed, heart, transformed hearts lead to transformed lives, never the other way around. I'll say that again because I think it's quite, uh, quite good, actually. We cannot address sin until we first address the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because transformed hearts lead to transformed lives, never the other way around. 
and our passion because we know that, that the worldview of this world is very different now. It's like we want to adjust behavior and we want to say, well, no, that's wrong. And, and, and you got to live like this. But if people haven't got a transformed heart first, it's just never, ever going to work. It's like having kids and you've been saying for the last 21 years, don't swing on the chair. <laughs> Not naming any kids. And they just keep doing it. Uh, so you can enforce rules, but unless it's a change of heart, uh, it's probably not the best illustration. Um, they're just going to continue doing that for the rest of their life. And we sort of know it's true. Um, you can try and change your behavior, but if your heart isn't the one that's leading behavioral change, it's never, ever going to work. And these people in this world, they're looking for truth and they are living um, in a way that's counter to the gospel. A lot of them don't know that. And a lot of them don't know why they feel so broken and why nothing's working for them. And we need to introduce them to Jesus first. And then a transformed heart will lead to a transformed life. I was talking to a good friend this, this week about this and we sort of all know this. Um, and we all go through some heavy duty struggles at time, but it's simply giving our lives to Jesus, getting to know Jesus, and saying, Jesus, I surrender, I'm gonna follow you. And as we do that, God's grace and power comes into our life. And then we, we find that the stuff that we wanted to do before, we don't wanna do that anymore. Or maybe we still wanna do that, but we wanna please Jesus more. So we deny ourselves, we truly take up our cross and we follow Him and freedom comes. So in our passion for righteousness, let's start talking about Jesus more and, and, and invite people um, to get to know Him and, and be, be confident to, to share how He's changed your life. Okay, so we've looked at um, what other religions say about Jesus and they all point to Him and say He's a way, but Jesus said He is the way. Uh, the way. We talked about getting to know the real thing Touch, tilt, look at, look through, just like uh, people uh, are trained to, to spot a fake. Get to know the real thing. Um, so in, in our journey to get to know the real thing, let's actually look at some of the things Jesus said. And uh, I've just got like three or four uh, scripture verses here, but I think they're all powerful and they're all awesome. John 3, 16 and 17. This is what Jesus says. For here is the way, God loved the world. He gave His only unique Son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in Him will never perish, that's eternal death, but experience everlasting life. God did not send His Son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be its Saviour and rescue it. Love those words of Jesus. Mark 10, this is an interesting one, verse six to eight. And this is when Jesus was, was questioned about divorce and, um, and how he sort of explained that as he taught um, the Christian worldview the right way about marriage. And this is what it says in Mark 10, 6. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let man not, or let not man separate. A few things there. Um, they are male 
and female. They are biologically different, but human. The word in, in the Hebrew is konegdo. And we learned this in Bible college a couple of weeks ago. It means the same as, but opposite. So Eve was the same as Adam, but she was opposite him. She was a female and Adam was a male, they were male and female. They leave each other's family and they become their own family unit. They become one flesh, which is sexual union, um, obviously within the, th- uh, the confines of marriage and their union is permanent. That's what Jesus said and taught about marriage. You know, we've believed the same thing for like the last 2000 plus years. It's interesting that just now people are saying, well, you Christians, you know, this is how dare you believe this stuff. It's like, we've believed the same. We haven't changed. Uh, we've believed the same thing. It's been truth all this time. It's, it's, it's a crazy time we are living. And I do wanna say this though, Jesus directly quoted from Genesis 1 verse 27 and Genesis 2 verse 24. And he taught God's plan for marriage. And by directly quoting Genesis, he was validating, Jesus was validating the Genesis account as being accurate, as being historical. And the other Bible teachers all did the same. They had this overwhelming belief that the book of Genesis was not allegorical, was not a fairy tale, but was accurate, was historical. And this is a growing concern I have because not just individuals I know are throwing away the belief that Genesis was historical, but whole church movements are starting to do this now. And if we throw away our foundation, then that's, we haven't got any foundation for our faith. For example, we understand Adam and Eve. We understand the the marriage um, plan. We understand male and female. We understand sin. How sin entered the world. Brokenness came into our world and humankind because of sin. But if you make that allegorical, you make sin a fairy tale. If you make sin a fairy tale, you don't need to have a literal saviour. So then Jesus now only needs to be a fairy tale, only needs to be allegorical. So we don't really need to have a real savior anymore. And I've tracked um, famous Christians throughout the last 10 years that have deconstructed their faith. All of them that I have read started with this belief that Genesis was no longer an historical account. It's like pulling apart an alarm clock. We could do that fairly easily with a screwdriver, but I bet you none of us would be able to put it back again. So be very, very careful about deconstructing your faith. Please don't do it. If you've got questions, please go to Jesus. Everyone's real quiet now. It's like, oh, am I getting a telling off from Simon? It's like... Matthew 16, 24 to 25, Jesus said to his disciples, if you truly wanna follow me, you should at once completely reject and disown your own life. Wait a second, does Jesus say that? He's like kind and compassionate and loving. And If you truly wanna follow me, you should at once completely reject and disown your own life. And you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own as you continually surrender to my ways. 
For if you choose self-sacrifice and lose your lives for my glory, you will continually discover true life. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourself, you will forfeit what you try to keep. Other translations says, take up your cross, deny yourself. Not follow your self-desires, Deny yourself, which means you're gonna wanna do something, but you say, Jesus, I wanna do this, but I wanna please you more. So I'm not going to do that behaviour anymore. Even though it's difficult, God, I wanna please you with my whole life. Now you hardly ever hear about self-denial anymore. It's like a lost doctrine of the church. Surrender your life to Him. I know it sounds weird, but as we do that, you will find the true you. You will find true fulfillment. You will find true life and true freedom and true hope. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, Jesus said to His disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. That's uh, God's, job description for every single one of us. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is never gonna leave us. He's right there, no matter how deep the valley is that we travel through, Jesus will never ever forsake you. So that's just a few things that Jesus said and it's just awesome. If you want more of that, read the Bible. So lastly, how to stay in truth. And I know I sort of shared this in a different way in the first one. Community, communion, conviction, commission. Community, get planted in to a local church. You know, it's so important for us to have a place where everyone knows us well enough. Everyone has our back. That, that, that people know us well enough to say, hey, Simon, I know you've been a little bit low. You've seemed low the last week or so. Can I help? Can I pray for you? We need that. We need to be involved in faith communities that, that have our back, that we feel safe and secure. The Bible says that God places the lonely in families. This is our family. So community is so important. In Acts 2.42, it says um, they devoted themselves to the early church or they joined with the other disciples. And, and those words, if you study them, are very strong. It means commitment. It means determination. It means sacrifice. Do we have the passion for the local church like the early believers had a passion for the local church? Secondly, communion, which means intimate communication. And and we call that um, the the part of of what Jesus told us to do was getting the the wine and getting the bread. The the wine represents His blood spilled and for us and the bread represents His body broken. And, And it was so important for us to maintain that close relationship with Jesus keeping Jesus at the center. Because in our busy life, with all the stress and the busyness, it's so easy to still have Jesus in your life, but Jesus is no longer in the center of your life. And that's why I love communion. And that's why I love getting up um, and spending time with Jesus almost every day now and just keeping Him at the center. So how do we stay in truth? Community, communion, conviction, spending that time with Jesus where Jesus can speak to our hearts and say, hey, Simon, you know that attitude you have or, or that thing that you were doing, you know, it's not quite being in the center of my will for your life. I'd love you to change. I'd love you to adjust. And I wanna bless you if, if you do. And you know, some of us quite frankly don't actually 
give Jesus the time in our lives to be able to do that? So we start just maybe one degree off and then we just carry on on our way and then sooner or later, it's like a ship starting out on a course out to sea, you know, a few miles out, even if you are just a little bit off course, you're like way off course. So we need to keep that time regular daily with Jesus and, and ask Him to come into our hearts. And I love Psalm 139. Verse 23, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. When was the last time we actually asked Jesus that? And lead me along the path of everlasting life. So conviction is not a dirty word. Condemnation is. But conviction is when we allow the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives. And and, and so we adjust our lives. And that brings life and freedom to our lives. And lastly, commission. Being active and walking out our faith, Psalm 86, 11. Teach me more about you, how you work and how you move so that I can walk onwards in your truth. It doesn't say so I can just relax on the couch in your truth. So I can walk onward in your truth until everything within me brings honour to your name. Moving, movement, being active and going and being a part of the disciple-making process. So in conclusion, I just want to share this verse, or these verses. Jesus said to the people who believed in Him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Verse 34, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Verse 36, so if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. If the Son sets you free, you are truly free. If we're practicing sin in our lives, the Bible says that we are slaves to sin. And I remember at a a men's conference many years ago, this pastor spoke and it was very difficult for him to speak, but he'd had a struggle for, for years and he couldn't find the freedom until he really started focusing on these verses that Jesus was truth, that we could know Jesus intimately and as we do, Jesus would set us free. And he grabbed a hold of that. It became a living revelation in his life and he got completely free because um, in other translation, it says, he who the Son sets free is free indeed, which means completely free. And he said, well, Jesus, I'm sort of free, but I'm not completely free. We can be completely free completely whole in Jesus if we surrender to Him, if we give our lives to Him and if we, if we deny ourselves, if we deny our, our, our sinful drive and we say, God, I'm giving You my whole life. And if we follow Him with all of our lives. Now, I think it's time that we as believers maybe took a step up because The world is not gonna fix itself. And Jesus said to us that we are now the light of the world. Getting back to Keith Green, I sort of started with him. I wanna finish with him. And these are the words of his song, Altar Call. And I'm not gonna play it because I mean, it's pretty aged now. But this is his words. The gospel is simply this. Jesus will forgive all your sins if you come to him humbly, lay down at his feet, and say, you're the Lord and I'll follow you the rest of my life on earth. 
so that I can have the rest of eternity with you and the glory of your Father. Some people won't find out till it's too late that someone has to pay the price. You can pay it yourself, huh? Or let someone else, but who would be that nice? To pay a debt that isn't his, well, I know someone like that. And he's your best friend, he really is. He really loves you. Most people don't find out till they're half dead that they need another life. You say you've heard everything that's ever been said about the way, the truth, the life. You say you've heard lots of preaching all before so many times. But did you ever open up your door? Give him a chance to prove himself. Well, he's real, you know. I hope you find out before it's too late. There's really nobody else. You know, it's breaking his heart the longer you wait because you're only being lying to yourself. No one believes a thing you say, not even you. You know you're gonna find out that He's the way no matter which way you choose. But I pray you find out by His love. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website, renewchurch.nz.